How do we know it's not a fake? It looks like a fake. You have become a master of lying and conniving. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think we should get judgmental here. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, it's not so much about stories. It's more about beliefs, perceptions, and truths. Or is it truths? Well, you'll know what I mean as I talk about it. I've talked about this in the past. A couple of seasons ago, I did an episode on doing the right thing. And it was based on the philosophies and the principles that I grew up on. And you can look that episode up if you want to. This is going to expand on that a little today. And I'm doing it today because the world is just constantly changing these days. And not for the better, it seems. Don't get me wrong, there's still good people out there and good things still happen and there's still love and hope and that's important. But I'm just taken these days by how much anger and how much hatred and how much lying is going on out there. And it's just so different from the world that I grew up in. I'm recording this during the last week of April 2022. And what inspired it is a lot of lies and a lot of lying behavior that has really been in the news the past couple of weeks that, number one, captured my attention, and number two, boggled my mind. The first one is that top Republican in Congress, McCarthy, and I'm only going to use his last name because I can be very petty. And here's what I mean. Years ago, when I first started writing letters as a lawyer, if somebody upset me or said something horrible or was mean to me or was unfair or, even worse, dishonest, they no longer got a middle initial. What that means is, when I was corresponding with John W. Smith, if John pissed me off for some reason, I never addressed a letter to him as John W. Smith. He was always John Smith, forevermore, unless he made amends, then he could have his middle initial back. They didn't know I was punishing them, but I knew it. It was a petty little thing, but it made me happy. Oh, I'm sorry, John, no more W for you. So, McCarthy has pissed me off, for so many reasons. So, he's only McCarthy. Same with Green, who I'm also going to mention in a minute. Green, that congresswoman from Georgia. She actually had to testify last week, under oath, about all the lies that she told. And she conveniently had a lapse of memory. Oh, I don't remember. Everybody likes to refer to her with her three names like that's a thing. I'll only refer to Green as Green, that's it. But these people have pissed me off so they don't get first names and they don't get middle names. They just get last names. They'll never know about it, but it makes me feel better. So anyway, McCarthy was caught in a lie this week all about Trump's involvement in the insurrection and about how he said the guy should resign. Basically, all the things that a normal, honorable, reputable politician would say and do after a sitting president fomented an insurrection. He said all those things, and then he denied them this week. And then they found the tape on which he said those things. And then, in typical political fashion, tried to fashion an explanation to explain away the fact that he lied and that he said the things that he said. And what's happening now is the media is just passing it off. They're just saying, well, that's McCarthy being McCarthy. When I was a kid, they'd be calling him out. He's a liar. And he'd pay a price, both politically and in the press and with his constituents. And Green, as I just mentioned, was testifying under oath. Oh, I don't remember. You don't remember tweeting the stuff that you tweeted, that you've been tweeting for the past two years. You don't remember that. And by the way, as a lawyer, I can assure you, more often than not, the I don't remember answer, that's a lawyer answer. That's an answer you suggest that your client give if there's a chance that a perjury charge may come down the road. I don't remember is safe because you can't prove one way or the other whether they remember or not. I mean, it's just lying. It's just bald-faced lying. 
And I know I try not to talk about current events. Storytime is supposed to be about stories, about growing up, about memories, about things I remember, about music, about movies, whatever. But I also try to make this podcast about what I'm seeing and what I'm remembering about the world, the way it used to be. And when I remember how it used to be, and I see how it is, I sometimes can't help myself. I have to comment. So we're commenting today. See, when I was growing up, there was a code of conduct that we in a normal, functioning, democratic society were supposed to honor. It wasn't complicated stuff. It was basic stuff. You didn't lie. That was one of the primary things. You just didn't lie. You weren't supposed to. We actually had a story that we were brought up with. George Washington and the cherry tree. He chopped down the cherry tree and when confronted with it, he admitted it and said, I cannot tell a lie. And yes, I'm aware of the irony that the story they told us about not lying is probably based on a lie. But the story was the lesson. You don't lie. And if you got caught in a lie, you admitted it. All right, you got me. You might try to explain it away if you could. Well, what I really meant to say was, but when you were confronted with your lie, you would admit it. And if you couldn't explain it, if you couldn't straighten it out, then you got out of the way. You resigned your office. You left a position. You stopped doing the job that you were doing when you were caught lying. You were also honorable. If you were in a position of power, you didn't abuse the power. You didn't do things for your own personal gain, especially if you were in public service, whether you were president of the school board or head of the town council or mayor, if you were a state representative or a congressperson in the United States. You didn't abuse the power. You got into the job for the common good, to help your citizens, to represent your constituents. That's why you got into politics. It's called public service for a reason. And when you were running for office, you didn't lie about the opposition. You might dig up some dirt on them. You might say they voted for tax increases five times in a row. But you didn't make stuff up. You didn't just blindly, without evidence, accuse people of being a pedophile, which is one of the things that's going around these days. Just call somebody a pedophile. Just call somebody a groomer. You ran campaigns and you represented your constituents in an honorable way. And if you were stupid enough, whether in a campaign or in office, if you were stupid enough to get caught with your pants down, either literally or figuratively, whether you were having an affair with a staffer or an extramarital relationship with your neighbor's wife, if you were caught doing that and there was no way out, you'd admit it. You'd say, I made mistakes. And you'd step down. You'd resign your position. Because back when I was growing up, we expected a certain quality of individual to represent us. And again, whether it's the president of the school board or your representative in Congress, we wanted honorable people, people we could trust, or at least appeared that we could trust, to do the right thing for the common good. Back then, we also believed in our institutions. We believed that Congress, although we might not always agree with what they were doing, we believed that they were doing the best that they could to serve the public interest, to do the right thing. Sure, there were competing viewpoints, higher taxes, lower taxes, fund infrastructure, fund the Defense Department. There were differing priorities, but generally we believed that they were all on the same page, trying to do the right thing for the most people. Now, obviously, that wasn't always the case. Obviously, we needed civil rights legislation, which was passed in the 1960s. And by the way, the fact that it took till the 1960s is an indication that the institutions weren't always doing what they were supposed to be doing. The fact that civil rights legislation was necessary at all is an indication that a lot of these things that we were taught weren't necessarily true. 
But we were taught them to be true. And I'm going to come back to that because a lot of the stuff that we were taught and a lot of the stuff we were told as kids was really a big lie, which is part of the problem we're facing today. People like to perpetuate those big lies and they like to live those big lies and they like to rely on those big lies. And in a lot of ways, our society is based on big lies. But the thing that made it work was our belief in the way the system was intended to work. Not the way it necessarily worked, but the way it was intended to work. Congress was doing the right thing. The courts would check Congress because that was its job. That is what the judicial branch is supposed to do. It's supposed to keep an eye on the legislative branch. Yes, I remember my civics. That was part of what we were brought up to believe. We had a system of checks and balances. The legislature passed the laws. The judiciary interpreted the laws. The executive branch enforced the laws. And they were supposed to keep an eye on each other and make the system work. And when the laws were passed and the judges were asked to interpret the laws, the judges were supposed to apply the law. They weren't supposed to put their own spin on things. They weren't supposed to bring their personal interpretations to the law that was raised before them, or the legal question, or the factual question, or whatever it was. They were supposed to rely on the evidence. They were supposed to follow precedent. And we were taught to believe in that. We were taught to believe that's what they were doing. And so that's what I expected. And that's what a lot of people expected. Now, obviously, that wasn't the case. Judges didn't always interpret the law the way they should have, applying precedent. More often than we are aware, and more often than we would like to admit, judges did what the hell they wanted. But in many cases, those decisions were overturned on appeal, or eventually overruled by either a state Supreme Court or the United States Supreme Court. And as time passed, even the United States Supreme Court corrected its decisions. But we were taught to believe that the system worked, and that it would always work. And we were taught to believe that the people who got these positions, as congresspeople or as judges, got these positions because they wanted to do the right thing. They wanted to serve the public. They wanted to serve the country. We were taught there was a certain selflessness in public service, and everybody who got involved in it had the same core beliefs and would do the right thing and would pass laws for the common good and would administer justice with honorable intentions because that's what you did. Now, this doesn't just apply to politics. It doesn't just apply to Congress or the courts. It applies to our everyday life. We believed that people would be honorable people. We believed that when you went to the shopping center, that you should, and that other people would, take their shopping cart, either back to the front of the store, or put them in those little shopping cart corrals, rather than just leave it in the parking lot. Only a savage maniac would just leave their shopping cart. Now, I know there are exceptions, and I know there are reasons why people don't put their carts back. But it is a good example of the way people's attitudes have changed. We were taught when you parked in a parking spot, you park between the white lines and you leave enough room on either side of your car so that other people could get in and out of their cars. We believed that when we were waiting in line at McDonald's, somebody wouldn't try to cut the line. They would just take their spot at the back of the line. We believed or we wanted to believe that people wouldn't buy a hundred Cabbage Patch dolls with the intent of selling them all for profit at double the regular retail price so they could make money off of the needs of other people to have a Cabbage Patch doll for their kid on Christmas. We were taught to believe that that was the case. Jumping back into politics, let me give you an example of what I mean about doing the right thing. When I was a kid, the whole Watergate thing was a big deal. I don't remember very much about it because I was just a kid. But I remember the Watergate hearings on TV. And Watergate, to make a very long story short, for those who don't know, involved the Republican National Committee, headed by Richard Nixon, who was president back in the 70s, breaking into the Democratic National Headquarters, basically to steal their campaign strategy. I'm oversimplifying, but that's basically what happened. 
By today's standards, that's basically nothing. That wouldn't even trend on Twitter if that's something that happened. But back in the 70s, this was unheard of behavior. This was dishonorable behavior by dishonorable people doing horrible criminal things. And this was the President of the United States and his staff. And what happened is they had hearings in Congress, and these hearings were televised. And remember, back in the day, there was only three networks. There was no cable. There was no internet. So when they televised these hearings, everybody was watching, including us little kids who had to watch because our cartoons weren't on. Where's my monsters? Where's Bugs Bunny? Who are these people? They literally commandeered the airwaves for weeks during the Watergate hearings. But my point in bringing up the Watergate hearings is this. Back then, both Republicans and Democrats recognized the criminality of the behavior that was ongoing. They recognized that what had been done was outside the norm. And this dishonesty and this duplicity was simply unacceptable to both parties. Everybody recognized that there are certain things that you don't do in a democracy. Number one on the list is break the law to further your political career. You also don't lie to Congress. You also don't try to destroy evidence. You also don't try to fire the people who are doing the investigation. All things that Richard Nixon did. So one of the earliest memories that I have is the institutions of this country. Congress doing its job, weeding out the corruption, going after the criminals, having hearings to fix what was a broken situation. That's the way the system was supposed to work. And as a little kid, I saw that. So those things they were telling us about the institutions of this country working, and this is how you work in a democracy, it all was true. It was all in front of me on TV happening. People were doing the things they were supposed to do to protect our democracy, to protect our system, to do the right thing. And Richard Nixon, when he saw the handwriting on the wall, resigned the presidency. He saw he was going to be impeached. He didn't want to tear the country apart anymore. So he decided to resign rather than risk all of the things that could happen to him because of the things he did. It was just another example of a guy caught with his hand in the cookie jar finally doing the right thing. It wasn't pretty and it took forever to get there, but it went the way that it should have gone at least based on the system that we were taught was the system that worked. Back then, it was a Republican president, and there were Republicans in Congress who were totally against him because of the horrible behavior that he engaged in and because of the wrong things that he did. Did they like it? No. And back then, they put the good of the country and the good of the democracy over the good of their own political ambitions and the good of the party. And once again, that's the way we were taught it's supposed to work. As we can see now... It doesn't work that way anymore. The people who want to stay in power want to stay in power for the sole purpose of staying in power. They're not doing it for the public good. They're doing it for their own personal good. And I think part of the problem is there's less and less of a belief of a common good, of a consensus of what's right and what's wrong, than there used to be. There's more a sense these days that the common good isn't what's good for most people. It's what's good for me and the people who think like me. And that's where our problems start. As I mentioned, a lot of our society is based on lies. That may sound like a bold statement, but let's think about that for a minute. A lot of our lives are based on lies from childhood. Our parents lie to us. Oh, they're not horrible lies, but we have Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy. But those are good lies. Yeah, yeah, they're good lies. They seem harmless enough. But at some point, we learn the truth. Religion lies to us. Whether it's a church, whether it's a synagogue, whether it's a mosque, religion lies to us. Depending on which religion you believe in, they're still lying to you. 
You'll go to heaven. You'll go to hell. You'll get 70 virgins. Whatever the lie is. But nobody knows. Nobody knows. And to claim otherwise is simply another kind of lie. Our schools lie to us. Our schools lie to us about history. They tell us the stuff they want us to know and leave out the stuff they don't want us to know. And you know what I'm talking about. We can do a whole episode on the stuff that we weren't taught in school that we probably should have been. I mean, we could start with Columbus discovering America, which isn't really what happened. But that's what we were taught. But that's for another episode. But our schools lie to us, even if it's not the classes they teach us, when they tell us, this will be on your permanent record. Why do they do that? Well, to keep us in line, to keep us scared. I know this may come as a shock, but there is no permanent record. All of those detentions you had in sixth grade, nobody knows about them and nobody cares. But boy, oh boy, did they put the fear of God in me about my permanent record. That's why I kept my nose so clean in grade school. I didn't want anything bad on my permanent record. When I first saw my high school transcript, I was terrified about what might show up there. Oh, will they find out that I was late for class 17 times? No, your high school transcript is just grades. There's no teacher comments. There's no list of detentions. It's your high school grades. That's it. I was so relieved and also so disappointed when I found that out. Wait a minute. There's no permanent record? You mean I could have been screwing around all these years? But it worked. The lies worked. They kept me in line. They kept a lot of kids in line. I mean, we're faced with lies every day. From the time that we start watching TV or consuming social media, we're lied to about which beer will get us dates, which toothpaste will make our teeth whitest, which cologne will make us smell prettiest. We're lied to all the time. And we buy into it. We buy into it. It occurs to me that that constant barrage of lies throughout our lives, once we discover how many lies there are, it makes it easier for us to discount things that are actually truths or truths, however you want to pronounce it. But the problem is there's a difference between a factual truth and a perception or a belief. I mean, I can say Colgate gives me brighter teeth than Crest, but is that factually based or is that just my perception? On the other hand, I can say the earth is round. That's a factual truth. I mean, the world is either flat or it's round. It can't be both. And we know scientifically that the earth is round. You might want to believe that the Earth is flat, but you don't get to have your own truth about what the Earth is. The Earth is round. It's not a subject for debate. It's not like Schrodinger's cat. Is there a cat in the box or is there not a cat in the box? That's more of a philosophical question. The factual question, is the Earth flat or is it round, has one answer. The Earth is round. It's not debatable. There are facts, there are factual truths, and there are perceptions. And what's happening these days is people are conflating factual truths and their own personal perceptions. And I guess that's natural. We tend to believe the things we want to believe in. But what happens is you have nefarious people, devious people, people with plans to further themselves at the cost of the common good, who exploit this tendency in people to believe the things they want to believe, no matter what big lie you want to sell them. Let me give you an example of a big lie. It's not what you think. I've talked about this on my Twitch stream. I'm actually familiar with it through my work. Let's use asbestos as an example. When asbestos was discovered, it was billed as a miracle mineral. Asbestos was great because it's fire-resistant, fire-retardant. They made asbestos blankets that firefighters and safety officers and companies would use to put out fires. You'd throw an asbestos blanket on a fire. The blanket made out of asbestos and filled with asbestos wouldn't catch fire because asbestos doesn't catch on fire. It can't. They made asbestos gloves. They made asbestos potholders. They put asbestos in tile floors for kitchens. They used asbestos to insulate furnaces. 
They used asbestos insulate wires and boilers in ships and boilers in buildings. They would put asbestos in tar that they would use on roofs. Asbestos was everywhere, and they used it like it was going out of style because it was plentiful and it was cheap. The truth about asbestos wasn't known by the general population until sometime in the late 60s, early 1970s. The truth about asbestos is this. If you inhale asbestos fibers, it can kill you. You've probably seen those commercials on TV for mesothelioma. If you've been exposed to asbestos, you might have a cause of action. Call Smith & Jones. We'll represent you. Well, those lawsuits exist because corporations did know the dangers of asbestos, and they lied to us about it. They lied to the public. They lied to their workers. They lied to everybody about it because asbestos was good for the company. So I might not have known the truth about asbestos back in 1960. I might have believed that asbestos was good for me because it protected my house from fire because I had asbestos blankets and asbestos potholders. So I was never going to get burned. But the fact that I believed that to be true didn't change the fact that asbestos was a deadly fiber that could very well kill me. The fact that I didn't know that didn't change the truth of the fact that asbestos was a deadly fiber. And the last thing you wanted to do was have any of it in your house, on your person, in your car, anywhere around you. That's the difference between fact and perception. The fact is asbestos is deadly. For decades, the perception was asbestos was a miracle mineral. And only when the facts became undeniable and incontrovertible did society change its tune about what asbestos was about and how dangerous it was. See, the lack of awareness of the truth does not change what the truth is. The lack of understanding of a fact does not change what the fact is. The problem that we have these days is too many people are unwilling to learn the truth about asbestos or substitute in whatever truth that you know people are denying, the shape of the earth, the cause of 9-11. People have their perception of what the truth is, and they're refusing to acknowledge what the facts are. And that refusal to accept facts is what's being exploited by the people who want to retain power for themselves and who want to craft a society that works for their perceptions which is not for the common good. So why do people believe these lies? Why do people accept their perceptions over facts? That's a hugely complicated question. And I've actually been doing research on this quite a bit because I'm trying to understand it myself. And I wish there was an easy answer, but there isn't. I'm going to give you a short answer to close the episode today. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do another episode explaining in more detail why people don't want to believe the truth. The short answer is, It's much easier to believe what you want to believe than it is to believe the truth. It's easier. It doesn't require any work. You don't have to engage in any critical thinking. You don't have to question your belief system. Because when you have to do all of that stuff and you realize you might be wrong, it hurts. You feel dumb. You feel stupid. You feel used. And nobody likes to feel that way. That's why people hold on to their beliefs, even if they're proven factually to be untrue. As I said, there's no easy answer as to why people hold on to their truths and reject facts that are indisputable. There's no easy answer, especially when we've been fed lies all of our lives about the most basic of things. People can say very easily, well, there's no Santa Claus, so maybe 9-11 was an inside job. And if they find other people who believe the same thing, it reinforces their preconception of what is true. It's easier that way. 
and nobody likes to do hard work. But don't worry, I'll do the hard work in another episode, and I'll give you the reasons, at least as I understand them. But that's for another time. For now, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to this little rant. Sometimes I can't help myself, but I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you. 